All right, welcome to another episode of Roofing Business Partner Podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to Caleb Oberg of Oberg Roofing in St. Cloud, Minnesota. He has been a client of ours for a little over two years, and he has done some incredible things. He has almost tripled his business in one year, doubled his business in another year. He has got some great advice that you absolutely need to listen to. And this is really, really cool because he has literally done it all. He was a shingler for a decade or more. He has been on the roof in the grind and then he fell off a roof and broke his back became a production manager then he went and did the sales the marketing the exactimates the quickbooks the advertising running the business doing the production he's opened and moved and changed and bobbed and weaved and pivot all through his life and it has all culminated in the company that carries his last name and he has an incredible story that i think you need to learn in this episode you're going to learn about how to use the catch-all to increase your profits make your subs happier and run better job sites he's going to teach you about what he's doing with the inside outside sales model his trick on how you can get marketing done for almost free and i just i can't possibly summarize what we talked about it is a one hour long and you're gonna be hanging on the edge of your seat learning from this awesome guy caleb oberg so let's get into the episode All right, welcome to another episode of the Roofing Business Partner Podcast. We put out episodes every sometimes. Uh, On my way over, I was coming to talk to Caleb Oberg, and I was trying to think, you know, it's always a while between me putting out podcast episodes, and the thing that seemed the most appropriate to say was that um, a wise man speaks because he has something to say, and a fool speaks because he has to say something. And I don't typically feel this obligation to like put out an episode every weekday or every Saturday or once a month because I wait for things that I truly think are going to be of value to the audience. And I've been working with Caleb now for like three years. Yeah, it's about three years. Yeah. And over the years, I've learned a ton of things from him in addition to the things that we've tried to help him with. And we've worked with him in a number of different capacities from Facebook ads to video stuff to now building systems and CRM. And it's really been a cool journey. And over the years, I've just kind of said, man, more people need to hear your story. And so it's always tough to try and like get into what it is that you're doing. But like, I think that the best place to start is just for you to explain who you are and what Obergroofing is to you. And then I kind of want to dive into like where it all got started. Um, But just head us off with that, Caleb. All right. Well, thanks, by the way, for doing this. This It's pretty cool. Of course. Um, Caleb Oberg and... uh, uh, CEO, president of Ober Griffin Remodeling, and um, I've been in the industry for like 22 years. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of the coolest things about Caleb is that, you know, as I've traveled over the country and worked with different roofing companies, the bulk of the industry is like a sales guy that was selling for a roofing company that stole his boss's contract, used Microsoft Word to change out the clip art on the logo on the top corner edit a few words and now he's a roofing company because he has the paperwork to get started and Caleb you have a most interesting story and we were talking about it yesterday so I hope you still have the same juice to tell it again but um, you didn't start the way that like most roofing companies start and there's a lot of like roofers that start roofing companies and I don't mean to say that with a negative connotation but I think you and I both know that when like typically a roofer starts a roofing company it's like just a roofing crew that like gets some jobs and you actually started a really successful and really well run roofing business and your background is roofer. So, you know, tell me a little bit about how you kind of got started. Cause I love the story about how you were roofing. And then there was kind of an interesting twist that 
know, is something that haunts every roofer. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, where do you want to start? Like beginning of overgriffing or like 22 years ago? I want to talk about like, I want to talk about when you ended up becoming a production manager due to an unfortunate circumstance. I'm trying not to tell your story, but like what it was like working as a roofer and then where you got your shot. Okay. So my, yeah, my first look basically into the back office of uh, the roofing industry uh, was an unfortunate circumstance. I was working on a roof and I was, um, it was this uh, two story like retirement home and it was a seven twelve pitch roof. And we've never really taken a whole lot of like safety stuff. I mean, back in the day, this was like 2007, you know, and, um, OSHA wasn't very prevalent. So anyways, I was putting on the first row of ice and water shield. Why were you down there alone? Yeah. I was just just getting to that. (laughs) I was working with a guy on our section. He was unfortunately too afraid to actually go down there, um, you know, without any of the safety stuff in place. And we had to put the first row of ice and water shield on. And um, I was going really fast and I was actually quite furious that the guy wasn't helping me and I had to do this all by myself. And so I'm pulling the plastic off as I'm rolling it out and I'm going super fast. I had a couple of like those NOS 16 inch energy drinks. So I was just like going crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And then, I mean, unfortunately the tail or one of the pieces of plastic like didn't go through, uh, didn't get balled up properly and ended up like slipping on it. And this I was is that backing of the ice. The backing, yeah, yeah, the plastic. Yep. So I ended up slipping on that and like fell off the roof two stories. And um, I broke three bones in my lower back. And I also like tore ligaments in my shoulder. And so um, the shoulder hurt the worst. I actually thought my, I thought it was just like dislocated. I was telling the dude that was like watching me work. I'm like, just pull my arm, you know? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't think that's, <laughs> he's like, I don't think that's what the problem is. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm gonna have to go to the hospital. So, um, so when you fell, like, what was I like, there's only a few people who've fallen off a roof and every roofer thinks about it at least once. I mean, I remember my first day just, and I'm not a roofer, but I worked on the roofs. Right. And I remember like the first time standing on a roof and just looking down and being like, that's instant. So like. I think that more roofers could even like more people could just stand to hear like like knowing what the risks are and just what was that thought like Wait, as you were falling like what because like, you only have a, a second or two but what went through your mind because I imagine that stuck it was oh shit quite literally because there was nothing I could do and uh, it happened so fast I mean How f- you were right at the edge like right there was the no edge. there was no time to like come up with a plan it was just slip and you were you were gone yeah I mean the plastic we call it the uh, magic carpet ride. Um, you know, Aladdin, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's even worse on a 712. Um, you know, so it, yeah, it was just, oh shit. And then I'm on the ground. So, um, yeah, I mean, instantly, you know, I was just trying to figure out how serious it was because I was a roofer already for seven years. And like, this is how I made my money, it's my livelihood. So, what was your family circumstance back then? I had my two daughters, and um, I mean, I think I was dating somebody. I wasn't with the mother anymore. So, I mean, Obviously, I had to support them. So, I mean, it was pretty serious. And this wasn't your roofing company. You were no, working for somebody. I was working for somebody. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of the company I was working for, I didn't have any of like the employment stuff set up. It was really shady. Uh, I was basically getting paid cash. Um, there was no insurance. There was nothing. Uh, he didn't pay for my medical bills. He basically um, showed up one day and was like, here's a company truck, and now you're going to be a production manager. And I was like, okay. I mean, I guess I still have an actual like job, which is great. 
Um, it was unfortunate that I wasn't getting my medical bills paid for, but um, it, it turned out they, there wasn't much they could do anyways. I, I could have gone back later and had surgery, so it was kind of like a trip to the hospital and then an overnight stay, so it wasn't a crazy amount of money. Um, so yeah, then I'm a production manager, and uh, he's like... He's like, here, here's a job, you know, and I'm like, okay, how do I do my job? And he's like, well, I don't know. He's like, just figure it out. You'll probably do it better than I do it. And I was like, great advice. <laughs> what are some of the questions that you ask on day one of being a production manager? It, yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, um, who's the, what are all the contact information of all the crews, the people, like the suppliers, like who do I call for roofing materials? And I kind of knew, right, because they were always bringing our stuff out, but every now and then we need, like, uh, plywood or boards or whatever if there's rotten stuff and you know like yeah, I had to dump the trailer the dump box you know I had to bring it to the landfill and I'm like who do I talk to where do I go have I've never done this before and he's just like you'll figure it out go here go there he's like as far as the lumber stuff figure it out you'll probably do it better than I did it and I was like okay and so I was doing that for a couple months and then all of a sudden we've got this major hailstorm right in the city of Sartell and the company I was working for was operating out of the basement of their house right in the middle of Sartell. And so then it was just like, whoa, like everybody was freaking out. It was just like hitting how the many, jackpot. How many people worked there? Um, I think there was, was in a basement, so it couldn't have been huge. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it was just me and the owner that were actually working in the basement. Yeah. And then we had a, a we had like one roofing crew. So there was probably about six guys on the roofing crew by yep. that time. Okay. So then you, so everybody's freaking out. What are they freaking out about? I mean, I mean, it was like a total jackpot. And there was like companies coming in from all over the place. And it's like, well, what do we do? You know, like we've never done insurance. I've never done insurance. He'd never done insurance work. It was like nobody knew what the heck was going on. So, um, it, you know, we quickly kind of went to the Internet, maybe try to figure out a little bit. But also there was people calling like crazy. And um, also we were just kind of all looking at it like we were getting this huge bonus or you know, everybody was going to make a ton of money. And I mean, ultimately, that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the preface and then uh because we were getting so many sales and we were right in the middle of it um i ended up having to do sales and production manager and then we already we like hired on more crews and then we um basically i was doing half of what the business was you know yeah sales and production is both jobs basically i wasn't doing any of the finance stuff but then i also ended up doing like exactimates writing estimates like measuring roofs what's the time frame from when you when you got the company truck to when you're doing all this stuff, it was um, it was like from May or June till I think or no no it was the, the storm happened in June, so it was like March to June. It was a few months. <laughs> so in a few months, you went from being a shingler, yeah, right, and maybe like having the like the leadership skills to run a crew, right. But this was a crew of people that was all within earshot, right? Yeah, to Getting a company truck was basically a bribe for not destroying this guy's life. Yeah. Right. And then you had a job so you could take care of your kids, your production manager. And then within a measurement of months, you're now doing sales, production, and even starting to learn Xactimate and doing insurance stuff. Yeah. That's incredible. <clears throat> and working in QuickBooks. And working in QuickBooks. That's <laughs> yeah. insane. And right. so, so let's like fast forward a bit so you you told me yesterday like that basically you were essentially running this guy's business you were kind of doing everything and then you ended up getting let go because you had decided that if i'm going to do anything everything i'm going to go run my own business well that technically happened way before i worked for this guy twice oh, okay right that's right you yep. did work for this guy twice yeah 
Yeah. So at the onset, you know, I started, I mean, I can start back at the beginning just to kind of lead into that. Yeah. Um, my uncle called me up and he had a roofing company out in Colorado and he kept begging me. I think it's probably like the second or third year. He kind of begged me to come out there and, and, you know, give roofing a shot. And I was just Colorado's like, that's beautiful. crazy. Well, not where I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the Southwest corner. So it's the, it's basically desert, you know, near the four corners. Um, it was hot. I was never there day in summer, but I had, uh, felt the, the wrath of the sun worse than any other summer in Minnesota. Um, so I w- went out there, was out there for a few months, um, learned how to do roofing. I was basically a, a leader of the tear off and dry in crew right from the start, which I thought was crazy, but I was making good money. Um, came back to Minnesota, worked with him for a little bit. And then, um, eventually the, that whole thing, it was winter. It was like December. All of that came to a screeching halt. Um, moved back to St. Cloud where I'm from and uh, hooked up with a buddy. His, his name was also Caleb and he was a roofer working for this, this company. And so me and my other friend that had just kind of quit framing and literally came down to come roofing with me right before Christmas, we both just kind of jumped ship, went work for that guy. Um, by basically springtime, like we worked throughout the winter, back then new construction, uh, you know, I mean, still new construction, it goes all year round. So we, we were pretty steady. Um, by about springtime, the three of us basically had it figured out. Um, so we had talked amongst ourselves. We were now roommates, and we decided we were going to start our own company at some point. And um, I had kind of blabbed to the owner's uh, sister, not really thinking she would say anything. I didn't think they had a relationship at all. Um, where they the communicated? Yeah, I, I didn't think they really communicated. They were two completely different people. Yeah. Um, so then he found out, the owner found out, he called the three of us into uh, his office and he fired all three of us. He said, if you're going to start your own company, you're going to do it right now. So that was like, um, I was 21. Yeah, I was 21. Yeah. And the so 21, was, first time you started a roof company. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. So, so then you went and started your own company. Then you went back to work for this guy because you and that partner didn't work out. Right. There was three, there was three of us that started a partnership. It didn't work out. Um, I mean, you know, five years in the roofing business is like 20 years, you know, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so there was a lot that happened, you know, and I think that I actually had a a second company with one of those other owners, um, you know, at the onset, uh, before I went back to work for that other company. And it was, I don't know, Everybody was kind of complaining about not having money all the time, and we were working. We had a really good crew. I mean, solid crew. We had about six shinglers that would put on two to three square an hour. Yeah. You know, we could just we get any house done in a day, easy. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, then the the whole market was kind of changing, and these guys were talking about starting a building company in like 2007, and I was like, I don't know. Uh, the market's looking a little shaky. Yeah, if I you didn't watch the news. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really agree with it. I thought the margins were really slim, and I thought we were really good at what we were doing. I didn't like framing in the first place, so I kind of went a different direction, you know, and um, went back to work with that other guy because I knew he was doing re-roofs now. He had, you know, changed his business model, and I was like, I think that's something I would like more so because we were kind of doing it. I didn't like the new construction. It was just, like, too repetitive, too muscle memory, not really any challenges, and I like challenges. So it was like, I got to get out of this. Yeah. So now you're in this position, you're running all this stuff. When do you decide? And, and it seems like you have a story that I think lines up with a lot of guys, right? Where 
you know, they've just kind of had some false starts and they maybe didn't, they didn't have coaches or guides or mentors. They didn't have podcasts like this. Like they didn't have YouTube channels. Like there's no place to go. And then you, you had some false starts, then you get injured, then you get to learn the back end of the business. And eventually it comes to the point where you decide that you're going to start a roofing company that carries your last name. This is your thing. So put us there because I really want to talk about some of the amazing things I think you do today, but I think people need to know that where that comes from, right? Because, and I think that other people can like really kind of identify with that because there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who feel like they know what they're doing in one part of the business, but you know, they either don't start because they don't know the other sides of the business or they aren't taking the time to learn. Right. And I think you have some good stories there. Yeah. So, I, I mean, unfortunately, you know, that uh, relationship with that business owner didn't work out. He was kind of trying to change what he was doing. Um, I um, fired, quit. It was kind of all happening at the same time. I was also uh, going through some relationship issues. And so had to get out of that situation. And um, I moved out of the roofing industry for like a year and a half. I was climbing towers, building towers, putting up cell sites, all that kind of stuff. That didn't work out. I climbed through the ranks too fast. I had my own crew within eight months, and I got fired because a bunch of the other crew leads or whatever were talking talking about me, and then ultimately some other thing happened on a site, got blamed on me. I got fired. Whatever. Um, ended up meeting up with a guy that I had worked with previously uh, as a roofer um, at a concert, and uh, we started talking. We started, um, we started a business. It wasn't over roofing, but... Um, basically I was going back to my roots. I was like, I got to go back and do what it is that I really know how to do. And that's put on roofs. And I knew a little bit of the sales and everything now too. And I knew the insurance stuff. And I figured if at any point there was a storm, we'd be able to, you know, capitalize on that. Um, but you know, I was doing everything at that time. Um, all of the sales, all of the payroll, um, all of the scheduling. Um, I had six different contractors of subcontracting from that couldn't keep me busy as well as selling my own projects in the evening. I tried Home Advisor. I tried Thumbtack. I mean, those things were junk. <laughs> and so I, I learned a lot during that time period. Um, I was making decent money, but ultimately that partnership didn't work out. And um, I knew that I was lacking something. Uh, and that was a salesman. And so that was the first person I basically um, hired when I started Oberg Roofing in 2017, I wanted to brand something um, with my name in it. And um, that's, I don't know if it's like a thing too much nationally that people use their last name in their company, but it's really something like a Stearns County thing where I live that um, people use their last name or their initials. And so that's what we went with. And um, I had a salesman and now I just started a new company and I took everything that I learned through the subcontracting and also from working from uh, another company in the past. And I really looked at like, okay, what do the customers want that they're not getting? What can I do to make myself stand out and how am I going to get my own leads? So um, I had a little bit of marketing background, not very much, but that company that I was working at previously didn't have a marketing department so i said hey why don't we start doing marketing because all you had was an ad in yellow pages and doing referrals and i'm like this is not a good way to scale a company or i don't know I'm yeah like, you just feel is, like we need to try something we should try something yeah let's just make sure the phone rings you know instead of hoping that it rings yeah um so it's proactive and so um with i mean with all of that stuff like i looked at how Customers were kind of complaining that, you know, we were finally getting there after four months of them, you know, putting a deposit down. And, and uh, 
I looked at um, how long it would take for customers to get an estimate. I, I looked at the fact that uh, people were so busy, apparently. I don't, I don't get it. Um, that they couldn't even answer the phone, let alone like return a voicemail or, or get back to somebody. And I also saw that there was like almost no technology being used. And that was something I just couldn't wait for. Like as soon as I saw people kind of doing drone stuff for roofs, I'm like, I'm going to get a drone. You know, I'm like, this is cool. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to use it for, but it may be eventually be able to measure roofs. But I think now I can take some pictures and some videos and I can put them together and go to like trade shows and like show off, you know, the work that I do in a really cool way and um, post stuff on social media. And, you know, at the onset of the, the business and throughout the entire time, um, all of the marketing that we did, like everything worked, um, everything. So we started doing uh, where I had somebody that answered the phones. Okay. And I had a salesman, then I had another salesman. And then um, basically just kept going from there. Like everything that we, that I wanted to do to facilitate what the customer's wants and needs were is what we did to set us apart. And it's hundred percent. Everything that we've done is actually worked exactly the way I said it was going to be. So it's interesting that you talk about that because I mean, it sounds like you said to stand out, we just solved for what the customer wanted. And I want you to go like, I want you to go back into the past and talk a little bit more about like like how do you get like you you sound like you liked computers and technology right yeah and so i'm like how did you get to the point of liking computers and technology so much um i was born in 1980 man i mean it was kind of like the evolution of all technology and stuff happened in my lifetime so the internet computers uh, pagers, telephones. Okay. Like, um, prior to getting in the roofing business, I got a credit card from a, a Teamsters union or something that I was working for in this produce company. And so they gave me a credit card, $2,000 limit, went out and bought a computer, maxed the thing out, <laughs> you know, um, went and downloaded Napster and started like <laughs> downloading music. All started know? with free music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, and we had typing classes in school, so I got really good at typing. I thought it was pretty easy. Um, it's all things technology, really just the evolution during my lifetime has just been amazing to live in this time period and to not take advantage of that seems just ridiculous. It's crazy. So then now let's, let's go to today because some of the things that I think that you're doing that are really, really cool. And this is like where everybody really needs to stop and start listening to Caleb um, because I myself am fascinated by this because as this roofing consultant life has evolved over time, I've learned where my strengths are and I've learned where my strengths are not. I don't even like calling them weaknesses, but I know what they are and they aren't. And one of my, uh, where I'm not strong is getting the work done, right? I don't have the roofer's background. I don't feel like I can tell a roofer to work harder and have them listen because how, who am I to say? Right. And, um, I've struggled with that anywhere I go. And my best customers are the ones who can get the work done, right? They're, they've got, that's like the biggest thing I need them to do is I can throw the balls in the air for you, but you got to know how to catch them. And you're doing that at a scale and in a way that not a lot of people in the industry I've met can. And like, what are some of the secrets of production? And I'll dive in when I see the good ones, but like, I know you're doing some amazing stuff with how you do run the catch all stuff and, and, and why you choose to do more than one trade when like kind of the trendy conventional knowledge right now is to like simplify and, and, and go narrow. So tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, let's touch on the catch all one 
uh, first because I know that a lot of people don't look at it the same way I do. Even when I talked to the catch-all guy at the SRC, he, you know, and I told him how I was doing it, he's like, "What?" It's like that's amazing. Yeah. So no, you're doing it awesome. So uh, I mean, I looked at it like, okay, we subcontract to all of our roofs, uh, uh, all of our roofs for our customers, right? So um, I wanted to be able to protect those houses. We had plenty of times where there was stuff you know, a shingle would come down and um, actually you know scratch something or leave a tar mark or something like that and so you know we would set up boards i seen people setting up boards and then you know the, the roofers would just like throw everything on the boards and it would just constantly be squeaking and like scratching stuff on the side of the house and so i was like well that's just not going to work and i've heard i've seen people put like those those little foam thingies on them like the pool foam thingies you yeah. know but then like you got to make sure that they're on there right so then i saw the catch-all and i was just like i think this is like the thing that solved the problem and then it was like okay well how are we going to do this in a way that we're, we're guaranteed it's going to be set up properly that the the logo and the information that's you know on the banner or whatever is actually going to be uh you know seen properly and um we had tried it out initially with just like one of our in-house kind of crews and um they weren't doing it right and i was like okay the only way i'm going to be able to do this on a on a large scale and be able to continue to do this thing that i really think that our homeowners deserve and it really like sets us apart because nobody was doing it is to have our own crew that actually goes around and sets them all up and then um they do that every morning so they get up they're there before the crews are or you know because they're doing now like three to five a day it's gonna be early in the morning it is pretty early yeah but um i mean those guys are great they we have a catch-all van right and it's all completely wrapped from head to toe and we've got yeah, I've seen a, it. it's like it's like a big nissan like or a big uh one of those big like ProMaster vans you know the kind of thing i want to live in um because i'm weird like that but it's like this big van and even says like catch-all crew on it and your wraps are really distinctful like, yeah you know an oberg truck when you see you can see them across a farmer's field and I, I remember because we were out shooting in that farmer's field and you could see the guy coming from a mile away and you have this giant truck wrapped up and it says big words on the side catch-all crew so that's super cool yeah i mean it, you know and it actually worked like immediately and the crews themselves were like extremely thankful you know the crews don't even want to go anywhere wait, wait, the we, subs were happy yeah the subs love it why they don't have to like move stuff away from the house they don't have to set up tarps they don't have to like worry about you know damaging the house and getting like a, a charge back on their invoices and you know it, it it just helps to be professional for everybody it just solves a lot of problems and all of the customers in the neighborhood are seeing this stuff and they're like wow look at the you know the effort that they're going through they don't see a catch-all crew technically because they're there so early but the fact that it's already set up before anybody gets up in the morning and like we're protecting the house it's you know I mean, it's just the way to go. Like, you should have a catch-all crew or two or whatever, however many you need. But we so got one crew do doing three to five setups a day. So you do this as, as something that's good marketing and, you know, good for, like, protecting this, you know, the subs. And it, it sets your sign up. But it's just a waste of money. Like, like it's just like a, a cost, right? It's um, – so we technically have it as an overhead cost mm-hmm. um, just because you can't, like, separate that kind of payroll out, like, per job or whatever. But do you think it helps you make any money in any way? Yeah. So the very first time we set it up was in a neighborhood that had some, you know, amount of hail in it. It wasn't a crazy amount. Um, And so we set it up in this neighborhood and we did like a time-lapse video of it. And like everybody in the neighborhood obviously saw it. And 
what ended up happening is we did every single roof in the neighborhood after that. <laughs> Everyone. Every single one. So it makes more money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about like easy, seamless referrals. Like people just like, oh my God, I need that. I've never seen a roofer take that much, uh, you know, protection for somebody's house during a roofing project, right? Like, and, and that's kind of the, the, the catch-all pitch, right? Is that you're going to put this thing out front and it's going to show people that you care and it's going to not damage their plants because it's got some holes in it, right? And that you can put your logo on it to advertise. Um, but you're saying that, it, but like, so you're saying that the big differentiator between you and I, I believe it to be true is you're actually having this catch-all crew going around setting this up. What is it like to administer this? Like to add that, to orchestrate it all, to dispatch it all. Like who handles that? How does, if a roofer wants to do this, if they want to go out and start this tomorrow, you know, what is their shopping list? Who do they need to have in their business? How much should they budget for this? Like what, what do you pay a catch-all guy? Like that's just make it transparent for people. If you don't mind. No, that's fine. Um, I mean, the, like there's typically two guys on the crew. Um, uh, one of them works like the whole day. The other one just helps with the setups in the morning. And we just pay an hourly wage. I mean, right around 20 bucks an hour. Okay. Um, the other person that helps out is usually somebody younger, um, somebody potentially wanting to get into business, somebody just working a summer job, um, whatever it is. Five in the morning to go. What yeah. Catch alls. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. A pretty early job. And, and we just pay them like per setup. So, you know, they get like 20, 30 bucks per setup. So if they do three setups a day, they make 90 bucks and, and there. So, I mean, it's pretty easy. I mean, how many, how many catch-alls can you, like, how many catch-alls do you have? And do you always set them up as like one? Or are you sometimes, sometimes piecing them together? Like, what do you need to get like started with a catch-all crew as far as like what you should go get? Well, we, um, we had like one, I think right away. And then we immediately bought two more of this, the normal size. Yeah. So then we had three and then we were doing, you know, probably two a day. This was like a couple of years ago, 2019. Um, now we have... So this is seven. tried, tested, and true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, now we have seven, um, seven of them, and I think like two of them are the large ones. Yeah. And um, it doesn't really matter like that one comes in a set or whatever. You just use all of the things that you have to, to fully protect a house. So I, I can't recommend like a certain size, but I'd say like if you're going to go start doing it, just buy like a few of the large ones. They have a majority of the thing. They have everything that you need. They come with bags. You got all the poles they come with more than enough stuff to do like a one large one would do like one large house right um but some you know we don't really keep track of like this is a set this is a set yeah it's just a bunch of bunch. Yep. yeah and so those crews go in and they said do you take that down um same day or like you try and get back the next morning like how how do you orchestrate getting them all up and down who who does that? Is the production manager is it the catch-all crew communicating directly with the homeowner um, so the, uh, it kind of depends on timing and everything, you know, the, the catch all guy, you know, he's got a long day, right? He gets up first thing in the morning. Um, he does some will calls at some point during the middle of the day, probably takes a nap. I'm, I'm assuming he takes a nap at some point. And then at the end of the day, they're going around and like picking them up. Yeah. So the, the roofing crews themselves, because they're thankful of the setup and not having to lay out tarps and go through all that process, they take them down, they fold them up and they put them at the end of the driveway right by the materials at the end of the day so um i don't know it's pretty easy yeah hey you know what I, when i look at it i you know me i think about everything is like a set of processes and steps and i just wonder how do i how do i make something go and i just imagine like 
does the customer come home be like when are they coming to take this down like does that happen because i mean i remember when we were running a roofing company just calling the bin off was like this like thing that we had to make sure we did all the time and you'd get busy and then you'd forget like oh crap i totally forgot about the bin and then it'd be stuck there all weekend and i'm just wondering if there was some kind of trial and error or learning or ways of remembering what had to happen like you know the the job takes an extra bit of time catch-all guy goes back doesn't realize that it wasn't taken down yet and now he's got a you know now he's got to turn around and drive away because he didn't realize the job wasn't done and he thought it would be when he took his nap like i think about all these issues and i'm just wondering like who's communicating what's going on to the catch-all guy so there's some additional communication that's done on company cam Ah, um, uh, yeah yeah yep. yeah so the the crews will like snap a picture and like do an at you know the catch-all guy that way he knows that it's ready and so then he can kind of plan out his evening to make sure like if they didn't get done with the roof if there was rain delays or something like that um if a day rolls over the the, the crews kind of like just take it down and set it back up or whatever real quick maybe the catch-all guy will like set it back up if if need be just just to like put our best foot forward yeah um but yeah the company cam works really good i mean the the roofer the crews they they all have company cam so they just take a picture and do at the person pretty seamless we we make them do the same thing with like our materials you know when they're left out at the end of the day um one thing i forgot to mention too like that was a really good marketing ploy in the first year that we like deployed the catch-all thing is we're in like a drought and so people were paying a ton of money to water their lawns and keep them green yeah and uh everybody else put on blue tarps blue tarps and like turning people's lawns yellow yeah and because the catch-all is porous it's just like a net or whatever yeah. it didn't do that so we were using that as like a marketing thing yeah see like and this is what i mean guys is like you do this kind of stuff for a couple of years you learn all the couple of tricks because I know what you do. So I'm sitting here going, I might have the blind spot of having seen you do this. And you obviously having done it for years. Now it's just part of your business. It's simple and normal, but there's a lot of people out there who don't know how to run production the way that you do. So they're looking at this and going, Oh, it's just another thing to do. And you can make it look simple so that they might actually feel compelled to go do this. Because if more people ran a roofing company with a solid understanding of the trade, right and the job and understanding what things do i've always respected it because my best friend was my business partner and i knew how hard it was and i felt guilty every time i pulled up with a truck you know dropping off a gooseneck or extra bundle or whatever i would feel terrible that i'm driving away an air-conditioned truck and he's there i don't think a lot of that exists at some companies right right what are some of the other things that you've discovered over the years that you think that like if the roofing industry just started doing this stuff it would be a better place well, um, I mean, we do like siding and stuff too. And then um, uh, other trades. I think that there's a really good way to pay, you know, your employees that run your crews that helps with kind of the crews almost just running themselves. Um, so we pay the crew chief or one or two of the crew leads. We pay them on a piecework basis. Um, so they're getting paid similar to what a sub is. Um, as in they're getting paid for what they do. Yep. Okay. And then they basically own the work. So they, they own the quality, they own the efficiency. This um, is something you do quite a lot of is paid for the work that you do. You, you talk a lot about this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just, I want people to see that like, that, that this is kind of something foundational that, that you wouldn't know if you didn't know Caleb is that a lot of what he does, uh, I, if you're listening to this podcast and you've followed me at all, you know that I have gone to battle over subs. And now I'm talking to a guy who, you know, has done it his whole career. He's been a sub, he's done a sub, and we get along on a lot of the issues. And I was always, he's found ways to overcome 
my doubts about subbing. Like I said, that's what I want people to really get. It's like I look at it and I go, Caleb's doing the right thing. I'm not sitting here going silently, yeah, but you sub. I'm not like, and that's what people would expect from me, but you're doing it right. Well, yeah, even with our subs, like we have, um, we use a liaison basically is like the word I use for it. So we have a certain person that we talk to specifically to make sure that we have our crews and we have a strong relationship with that person over, um, I think this is our fourth season using the same person. So um, in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. It was rough. Okay. Um, the, the crews he was bringing were not the greatest, right? And we had some, just some issues with how the install went and they, they kind of like fought me on it. And ultimately I was like, I mean, I, I am a roofer, so I was like, you know, I've roofed my entire life. You did it wrong, and you have to fix it. Mm-hmm. And eventually, he stopped yelling and started listening. And he's like, okay, well, we want to do it right. So just tell me how to do it right, and we'll do it right. And for the, just the ability to get through to him that, like, you know, I know how to do it just because I've done it, um, kind of lends to a little bit my story, I know not everybody's going to get that, but I mean, if you do know, right, and you can get that across to the, the subcontractors and tell them that you do know how it needs to be done and just ask for that, um, you know, likely chance is that they're going to want to stick around if you've got steady work. They're, they're going to want to be with a company that does stuff to make their lives easier. So like doing the catch-all and like offering company cam for them to use to take pictures so that we don't have to chase them down for for their pictures that are messy and like they're trying to email them or text them and it's confusing and you know you're constantly hounding them. You just set up like certain processes and systems that they just know what to do every day to be successful. Right? I mean about the only thing they could do to like screw up then is to maybe leave a little bit of a mess or to potentially damage something but you know, those things, just their circumstance or whatever, they happen. Um, you know, we just deal with them. And, 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 yeah, as they come. We just have an understanding. So building strong relationships with your subs is, is huge. So another thing that, you know, and we actually connected on this. This is how we met. It was at SVG. And we originally connected on Facebook ads. And that's how we started our engagement working together. Um, and, you know, I since left that and you don't know, you have, you don't, need that any longer tell everybody about your marketing because this is also something that i the way that you do marketing is something that i have not seen anywhere period so we yet (laughs) um we have a strong radio area for marketing and it's not like extremely expensive and so I, i just noticed that there wasn't anybody doing anything in our space on the radio um quite like the way that i thought that it needed to be done so um, I started doing a little bit of radio advertising. I started testing like, um, you know, like a day, uh, one day of the week, um, you know, and I knew that wasn't like going to ultimately provide for the amount of leads that we wanted, but I definitely started seeing like the leads tick up on that certain day of the week. And I was like, Always okay, be testing. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, this is, this is working. Um, let's figure out like, you know, I went in there and I talked to them. I'm like, okay, what, what is the program to get like this to be like more of a thing so that I can, you know, focus on this to scale my business in my market and so like we went through it and we figured out how to like dominate basically um even even it's just on one station okay and um i also knew that you needed to have a jingle i mean everybody like remembers jingles everybody can sing it's McDonald's stuck in my head at least once a week whatever. when i'm here yeah everybody gets the yeah. our jingle stuck in their head it's crazy yeah um we did like a 
was like a Kid Rock, Leonard Skinner mix. It's pretty yeah. cool. You got a friend in the roofing business. Yeah, it's it. You'll if you hear it on the radio, like it's um sonic branding, right? Like Gary Vee talked about it a long time ago. All his podcasts start with that, right? And he was talking about this years ago, and you were ahead of the game on that. And like when I think jingle, I think like 1950s selling shaving cream. Like I don't like. It's not something I did, but it's it's genius and it works. And like it, people hear it, and you talk to other people, and they hear it. You, if I say to the hotel, I'm working at Obergroof, and they go, "Oh yeah, you got a friend." And like the people at the hotel, they don't even, like, they're not a homeowner, but they they've heard it. Um, and the stuff that you're doing, so Caleb is, he's highly competitive, but he's also very, um, he's very humble because some of the things that I think you're doing that truly I haven't seen anywhere is. The fact that you have the marketing manager, right, LeVon, yep. and that you have worked out a deal, and, and one of their core values is we are the community. Um, and so they get really heavily involved with the community in sports and stuff like that, but they're also, you know, using this big business, right, this eight-figure roofing company business, which has a big advertising budget to give local college students and university students, because um, St. Cloud's a university town, right, yep. and giving them an opportunity to cut their teeth and... Um, learn marketing with real dollars and real customers on the line and I mean I've worked with them through the rollout of HubSpot for the last year and a bit 16 months or whatever and every single one Bella, Adil, Levon like everybody's learning cool things and just like where did you get that idea because I just showed up one day and you had this like lady and Bella on a zoom call with me and we were talking about like Facebook stuff Um, it was uh, it was actually from a little bit from a consultant um and I wanted to, and I really agreed with it, right? It's like, let's partner with the local colleges in, in any way that we can to try and get some interns in here. And I was like, okay, well, what are we going to do with the interns? Um, it's a roofing business. And I'm like, oh, you know, I plan on hiring a marketing manager to, to run my marketing. And I would like to give her some interns to actually help facilitate doing the marketing so they can do social media stuff, right? Like you think of younger kids, um, uh, doing social media stuff, wanting to film stuff, like just always having the energy to go and, and be there and do things. And I don't know, it's, it's amazing. It worked out really well. I had two interns literally like a week after I hired my marketing manager to, to work with her and like just have a team, you know, to do all the things that I wanted her to do. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd always done the marketing myself all the way up until this year. So from 2017 to 20 or yeah, to 2017 to 2021. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to hire a marketing manager was to, to allow, um, me to do more stuff to give back to the community. And that's just been amazing. Like to actually put together programs to help facilitate the giving back. I mean, even giving back to, you know, students that are in college, right? So give them an internship to, to give them an opportunity to learn the real world marketing the real world business stuff. And just to be in our office and to like see how it's all going down. Yeah, they, I talked to Adil and he was just telling me like how he's learned so much just being there through um, a lot of the different experiences that we've had. You mentioned something else interesting where you said that consultant and I mean, as a consultant, I work with roofing companies who hire consultants, but you're like a consultant freak. Like, yeah. You love consultants because like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm walking through the office and I'm, t- I'm crossing paths with other consultants, which has never happened before. Um, and, and so tell me your, your thesis around this. Like why, what is it that caused you to go to consulting? Like, cause we met at SVG like marketing, but 
But then, so I don't know if that if that was you thinking consultants back then, or if you've changed something since that you know, hallow day at SVG. Yeah. So it uh, it's happened just kind of naturally um, to to hire consultants to do stuff for me. You were definitely the first one that I hired. I tracked you down. I literally hunted you down at SVG. I was like following you through Dimitri and some of the, some of the other stuff. I was like, this guy is really smart. I gotta figure out how to get to know him better. So, yeah. And uh, turned out you do CRMs too. So just keep coming back. I love it. Yeah. Um, so okay. Ultimately, hiring consultants um, allows me to continue to like work on the business and not in the business. So if I wanted to. Um, you know, kind of take my time and like do this whole business thing, like at a slow pace, kind of uh, almost like what I thought it was going to be. Like when I first started in 2017, like it would take me about 10 years to to be where I'm at today. Um, but I had like a surprising, really good feedback with everything that I was doing in marketing and and sales and all that other stuff. So, um, really the only way I could figure out to like continue to, to allow me to work on the business and not in the business is to find a way to like basically cheat and, um, Hire consultants. Okay. So like I didn't go to college. I was a roofer. I didn't know the business of business. I didn't know, um, I didn't know marketing that well on the, on the social media side of it. And so like I hired you and then you were doing a lot of video stuff and it was COVID and I was like this, we need to do this. So I'm like, Adam, come in and show me how to do this. Show my team how to do this so we can uh, put our best foot forward during this COVID times. We don't know how long it's going to last. Um, you know, so then also, I hired, um, well, we had Reva out here. Yeah. Um, so it's been like my biggest focus all year this year is to like figure out the sales department and get like a formal, consistent, like real sales model, training, everything. Right. So Reva came in here. Thank you for bringing in Reva. That was awesome. Oh, of course. And um, you again. And you, you're, you're, I like what you said about, about like, cause I had this analogy that we shared that one night. Um, where I kind of I summarize what Caleb said, and the way he's really used consultants is like if you're standing outside at Disneyland, and the bulk of the people are waiting in line, right, to go on the rides, and if someone was to walk up to you and you're looking up at the sign and you're seeing regular price eighty nine dollars, VIP four hundred dollars, and if you have to have this group think where you go along with the crowd, you think inherently, yeah, VIP, I'm probably not VIP, I'm, I'm not better than any of these people. I'm probably, I should probably just do, you know, go with the flow and, and everything like that. And if a, if a guy walked up or a girl walked up and said, you want to go in the VIP line, pay it. You're only going to be here once and you just should just spend the money. And here's a video um, or a demonstration showing you there's the lineup of the people getting on Splash Mountain and there's the VIP line. Hey, watch, there they go again. They're passing by the crowd to go on the ride a second time. This is why you should do this. And you went in and then you'd go in and you'd you'd have this most amazing time at Disneyland and you'd walk out and you'd be like, go hire consultants and your experience. And I, I'm not, this isn't my opportunity to, to talk great about me, but, but your experience, you know, bringing in people and not just me, like there's many others, Jessica and Shirley and these other people um, that you've brought in has allowed you to consistently get on the ride faster because what you don't know about Caleb and I, I don't usually try and talk about people's revenue, but I'll talk about multiples. And so he, Basically, he went from 2017 to 2019, you know, then he tripled through COVID, or damn near, right? Mm-hmm. And then now doubled again and zero signs of slowing down. And everybody's had the same market conditions as you, but yet you've managed to capture more of it because you've just managed to get more laps around the, the amusement park 
and get more experience in the business and get your people the teaching and training that they need. And I just love that. I mean, it's a great example for my business, of course, to have a guy talking about that. But I just love seeing it for you because I've seen how it's changed Joe's life. You know, a guy who came there in a $300 car. I've seen how it's changed Jake's life. I've seen how it's changed Chad's life. I've seen how it's changed Todd's life. You know, like I've seen how this company has been a vehicle um, for achieving your personal and professional goals if you have a job at Oberg Roofing and the community has seen it because you sponsored the baseball field and you sponsored the sports teams and you're giving back to the community through creating the internships for the for the marketing people and I just love seeing this example in business so what are your initiatives now like what is what are you going into what is your salvo that you're going to fire in 2023 oh wow um so with all of the consultants and everything um, that I have hired, uh, I really my biggest focus right now is because we went from like um, you know, 10, 12 employees at the end of last year to having uh, like 45 plus this year. Um, so one of the things that I'm doing is focusing on the people and the grow, like the growing of the people in the company and the organization to help with like, you know, growing the community of which Oberg is in our community that we live and work in. Um, and so there's a lot of things with the, with the people, it's like the core values, um, and how those things basically determine how we do what we do every day. Um, having, you know, there's, there's other things that I did at the onset of this year, knowing that I was going to be hiring a bunch of people. So I got, um, 401k with matching setup. I got health and dental and vision. Um, we also got disability insurance. So like offering a bunch of, um, things like we, we kind of basically already did all these things. Right. But yeah. this is the onset to like that next level of growth to not suck basically yeah um you know and other people can basically cheat i guess and do it the wrong way but i feel like i found like the cheat code to do it the right way you know bringing all these consultants in here to actually um, work with my team and and me to do stuff the way that we want to do it not just having somebody come in and say um you know you're going to do it this way or whatever because you don't know what you're doing or you hired the wrong person so like everybody that i hire comes in and like learns how we want to do business and how we are doing business and like helps to build the thing that we already have and make it grow so 2023 so different than a coach it's like a coach comes in and tells you what to do and tries to you know this is the way you sell a roof this is the way you run it this and you you're more bringing consultants to say, this is what I want to do. This is my belief and my vision and my mission with my business to do this. These are some roadblocks. I need you to roll up your sleeves and help move those roadblocks out of the way because I know this is going to work, but I have a few technical issues that I need to have addressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I mean, you got to look inward. So I look at my company and the people that I already have there. And if I don't have somebody that I can actually do that stuff, um, I have to hire a consultant or I got to do it myself. And I feel like if I do it myself, I'm going to be um, basically doing a disservice to everybody in my company because it might take longer because I got a whole lot of stuff I got to do besides, um, you know, running a business and like hiring people and everything else. Like I, I just know that if I hire a consultant, I can get it done right now as long as they have time. Like if their if their timeline fits in my timeline, like I can get it done right now. Mm-hmm. If I try and hire somebody and I got to train them and I got to make sure that they're qualified and I got to make sure that they fit with the team and I got to make sure all this and I got to make sure all that how much money am I going to spend and, and what kind of certainties do I have knowing that that's the right move? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and also like if I hire that person in that, in that is that going to be a long-term position for them or is it short-term position? 
Yeah, I think people I get exhausted of me being around for two months. <laughs> yeah. If I work, I've worked in places, one, one place I've worked in, in there for three months and it, it gets exhausting because I'm always like, grow, 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 move, 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 change, change, change. And eventually people need a break and get to re-center. And so the great thing about, I think, in, in consulting is they come in and they can solve a set problem or they can be there for a short period of time, but over a longer period of time, like Michael Shirley is. But like... You're, you're now going into 2023 and the business looks drastically different than it did before, right? And you, you talked about years ago, right? When we first talked, you talked about how you wanted to use technology to make it so that you could do, have more efficiency out in the field with sales. And then before I came in, like, so we built the HubSpot a year and like six months ago. And then you had started bringing in these customer success reps, these inside salespeople. And then we came in to like kind of pour the gas on it, expose you to the Reva model, and then build the system, re- remodel the HubSpot system around having two involved deal owners. But before I came back, you already had like second deal owner made and you had some stuff that was because I wasn't around and I couldn't be get here yet. You'd done some other things to basically build this inside outside sales model yourself. And so like, what is it, you know, for those of the doubters out there, or the people who don't get it or the salespeople who are maybe, you know, there's maybe a sales guy out there in Texas or Colorado or, you know, Seattle that's th- their boss wants to roll out inside outside sales. How would you demonstrate this? Cause you thought of this before I even started doing it. Um, yeah. So it's just from all of the troubles of hiring 1099 sales guys and trying to get them to do everything that we want them to do. Right. So, um, I look at it basically how it, unfolded is we started adding all of this technology and the CRMs like years ago, we used a different CRM before you. And it was such a pain in the ass to get people to actually put the information in. And it was because it was new one. I don't think it was technically the CRM, but um, they just, they just didn't do it. Right. So like me as a business owner, you know, trying to figure out production and trying to figure out sales and trying to figure out the, the numbers and make sure I'm running a profitable business, all that kind of stuff. It was just like, there wasn't enough information being put in the system for me to actually like operate my business and know what I was going to do next year, next month, you know, let alone. And so I basically, we, we developed all this technology to be, to be able to track everything. Right. And we made all of these, um, uh, properties, right. For them to have to fill in so that we like know what to do for the best customer experience, because you know that you go into a roofing job or whatever you every customer is different every house is different you got so many different variables whether it's you know a plant or a dog or um you know the 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 driveway has just been done or you know whatever there's like so many infinite variables and there's so many different things about every different project especially when we do as much insurance stuff that we do there's so many different insurance carriers that have so many different ways different processes there's just i mean it's there's so much information that needs to be put in and so we started putting all of that on our 1099, 1099 salesman to like, okay, well, here's the new system that Adam built. And now we got all these properties and we got to fill them out. And this is, you know, this is how you go about doing it. And uh, we got company cam, you got to take pictures and we got, um, you know, we got the Eagle views. We pull the Eagle views. Um, you know, we're also doing uh, PandaDocs. So we do like, um, you know, basically digital, yeah. yeah, digital proposals and everything. So we added all this stuff and, and now they're sitting there going, well, holy cows. I mean, this is a lot. So like we're rolling out, you know, six to eight apps or whatever for them to download on their phone to use every day. 
and then also to do their videos and yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and so like they're, they're, we're giving them all of these things to do to like help them help us you know to help them right yeah. kind of goes and give the customer the better experience like you've always yeah. tried to solve for you looked at what all the roofing companies weren't doing and you tried to solve for all those problems yeah so like we were we were doing all of that trying to solve all those problems while finding out there were we were creating more problems right like trying to like figure out you know how to get these sales guys to actually do the stuff that we wanted them to do well it turns out like those guys are hard to find like um you know joe for example he he never he wanted to do everything on his cell phone never wanted to sit down at a computer screen and never wanted to actually do all the work right so we basically had to force his hand it's either you do the thing or you're gone basically it's kind of yeah. what it ended up being and he's like well you know on the last day he sat down with you and he's like hey i'm gonna learn how to do the thing otherwise you know what, what do i got i gotta go somewhere else i don't want to go anywhere else i love it here so anyways it ultimately came down to like we have we have one guy that can do it most best or whatever on his own of anybody i've ever met um but you, that's not repeatable right you can't continue to scalable. find those guys you can't, you can't scale it, it. yeah you yeah. just can't scale it so ultimately it was like okay Read Martin Pettigrew's book, The Roofing Machine. Yeah. And I, I went right through it. I mean, it's one of those books you just you read and you don't set it down. You read it all the way through because it opened up my eyes so much on like the problem, right? And like I know I'd seen you talk about context switching and all this stuff and like everything was clicking. And I was like, okay. Talk to my business partner. I'm like, Chad, you have to read this book right now. Um, we we gotta start doing some stuff in here. I'm not gonna tell you anything, just read the damn book. Read the book and he's just like, Holy crap. Um, we need inside sales guys. <laughs> I was like, yes, thank you for that takeaway. That's exactly what I wanted to do too. So um, immediately started like hiring guys, looking at the guys that we had already that were, you know, kind of training to be sales guys. And we were like, okay, we think you'd be really good at this. And they're like, sure. And we were like, holy crap. He said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, literally he's like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Wow. Okay. Cause some people want to function in their unique ability and not do the things that they're not good at. Well, it just so you know, it happened that we were hiring people that were like, you know, good on one side and, and like bad on the other and then like good on the other side and bad on the other. And so we were, you know, we were just trying to figure out like hiring anybody that would want to do sales, you know, and it just so happened that we had a few guys that were really good at doing inside sales work. So sitting at a desk, making phone calls, putting together proposals, like updating properties. So like fully doing all the stuff that we want, like, you know, putting in all the notes and you know, saying that they called somebody and what the outcome of the phone call was, all this, th- all this stuff, really, because um, I mean, it, it's super important to like know what a customer called about, like what happened in the conversation, so that the next person down the line in the other department knows like what's going on. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, further developing that that sales model is going to be massively scalable, massively scalable. And and that's my big that's my big thing is like. It, it, when I when I seen you kind of rolling it out and you called me and I was in Hawaii and you're like, dude, I need you out here, right? And you're like, we gotta we gotta do this thing, right? And because um, I was just rolling that my first one out in Hawaii before I'd actually had a chance to meet Martin, and then me and Martin connected. I was like, holy crap, you do this? You've been doing this for years? We're just experimenting with it. That's awesome. And then you read the book and it's all kind of fallen into place. And now we've built like six or seven of these things. We're just we're gonna be leaving here to go build another one. And I can't tell you how excited I am to see like your team where you have your outside guys who are great outside. They're great with people. Like you've got some really good, like, I mean, like I, I've had had a chance to spend a lot of time with one of your guys, Reggie. He's, you know, he's super positive about it. Great with people, all that kind of stuff. But you know, he's a typical D type personality, not super on the details. Right. 
But then you've got his teammate, you know, David, who wants to be like super on him and wants to be his ultimate ally and everything like that. And so, you know, but the industry needs more proof that this that this works. And you're a great proof of it because you're in the north. You're basically Canada, right? Like it's that <laughs> cold here, right? You guys shoot our national animal, but you I mean you're basically Canada when it comes to the weather. You guys shut down. Um, before I let you go, I want to talk about one thing that is kind of hotly contested in the industry, and I think that, you, that we need your voice on it because um, it matters. Everybody in the roofing game right now is talking about simplify, 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 sell one roof, one shingle, and there's a lot of great examples of that. You've got Apple, you've got some, uh, you've got Monarch, you've got lots of examples where people are saying just sell one thing. Um, and I was talking to another client yesterday, and he's like, you know, I, I get that, but like, I don't think they get it like we shut down in the wintertime you know we run out of business in the wintertime we can't do roofing and I think that because there's so much of the big money roofing companies are down in like you know where the hurricanes are and where all the big storms are that everybody thinks that what works down there is going to work up here and we all want to be like them so we're all going to be like that but you know you really came up as a tradesman that knew the trade and you had some good stories about some guys that have done. So, you know, why is it that you chose to, because it's complicated, I'm in there, it's complicated trying to do roofing and siding and stuff like that. So why do you put yourself through all that? Well, I wanted to do all of that stuff from the beginning. Um, Took a little bit to like uh, kind of get the right people and the ability to actually do basically anything a customer wants to their house um so yeah we do roofing siding windows gutters decks we can build them stain them finish them basement remodels finishes bathrooms kitchens whatever um we we just don't build houses um and so we do everything because we're in minnesota exactly the peaks and valleys of the seasonality of things really i don't i don't dig it okay and I mean, yeah, we still like, you know, get time off for the most part because we're not going hard on all the roofs and the storms and all that kind of stuff. So we get some time to kind of like figure out what happened and how we're going to prepare for next year. Um, But financially, right, the peaks and valleys start to mellow out a little bit because I'm doing siding all winter long and we're doing remodeling jobs all winter long. And currently we have one in-house remodeling crew. I'm hoping to have like two to three by next year because the need is huge, regardless of a recession or anything like literally people are always finding things that they want to do inside of their house especially in a recession they're not going to go out and buy buy a house or build a house right so they're going to be like okay well i'm stuck in this house what can i do to this house and a lot of people just don't want to do it anymore i mean we're talking about the millennials right uh, yeah. they they just want somebody else to do it because yeah, they don't know we're sitting do in it. a house that you and two other people built you know what i mean a couple guys did some tile and stuff but like you built it. That's not. There's not a lot of people doing that these days. Yeah, me and me and two roofers built a built my house. And it's over a beautiful house. Like if I if I show a picture or video, like it's not like he built a hut in the middle of the field. Like this beautiful home. Um, and I, I look at it and I I hear the industry and there are some people that I'll say simplify. You should simplify. Um, it's my job as a consultant to know the difference. But you can do it. You know what I mean? Because you can walk in and look at any trade, the windows, the doors, the, the, the window wraps, the, you know, whatever, right? And you can say it's done right. But I don't think that it's so, it's so fast and loose as just to say do one trade because, you know, look at Tesla. They can make cars and they're coming out with robots, right? Like you have divisions. And if you can do $60 million as a roofing company, 
What Can You Do is a roofing and siding company with two divisions that are run successfully by talented people who love and appreciate those trades. Like, why is it that everybody thinks that you can't do it? You know, I think something with, you know, our market too, being uh, been the storms that we've gotten, um, there's been massive amount of damage to not just roofs. It's been a ton of like siding and like uh, windows, gutters. Um, all of those things have a lot of damage and the customers have needs and wants to have one contractor do all of it. Okay. If, if everybody can try and figure out, like anytime you've tried to hire somebody to, to like come out and do something at your house. I mean, even if it's just like, you know, trying to get the cable guy to come out, right. They give you a window and you know, they show up or, you know, if you try to get a contractor to come out, I mean, especially concrete, anybody who's ever tried to hire a concrete contractor, probably all over the nation, they don't answer their phone. They, they don't get, they don't get back to you. Like you, you get to, to like September and you're going, man, I tried calling like six, you know, concrete guys. I wonder if I can, you know, still get this thing done. And like, you probably can't. Right. So, um, I forgot where I was going with that, but anyways, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to hire like the homeowners don't want to hire several contractors to do like the work on their house. They're like, if one contractor, if I could just find one contractor, like that's reputable and it answers the phone and like gives me an estimate and can do the work and like, you know, be licensed and all of that stuff. Like I'll hire that contractor. Okay. So with all of these storms that we've had with several different trades being damaged, they're like, you do everything. And we're like, yeah. And then when we get done doing all the storm damage, they're like, well, can you, can you finish our basement too? Or can you like, you know, remodel our bathroom? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, I can't even believe that. Like, I don't have to go shopping for another contractor. You're just increasing the lifetime value of your client. 100%. If you can make a lead worth more than your competitor, then you can pay more for the lead. And then you can also, because you made them worth more, right? I And this is, like, and we're not talking about Caleb and a band of buddies going out and doing everything. Like, some roofers start out, which is where they start out, like, and, and they go, oh, yeah, I'll do a roof, and then wintertime I'll finish your basement, and then I'll do some drywall, and I'll build you a shed. Like, this is all a group of talented tradesmen that you've curated and grown and built your network and then you've got several production managers who are all responsible for their different divisions and you've got systems that you know we've built for for you and, and continue to keep getting the task of continuing to try and grow and expand that so that you can provide that service to everybody and you can create a system that can track multiple trades and and and, and make sure you, keep, you know keep all those details straight and it's really quite fascinating like i'm you know seeing the trajectory i mean when does that hockey stick end right like and where do you want to go he's shaking his head he's like it's not gonna end damn no way i i ask the question every single year i'm like you know there's got to be a plateau there's got to be you know something because every year after year it's like holy cows i can't believe we doubled or more than doubled what we did last year it just it's absolutely amazing to me um i mean i I just don't get it. I kind of do. Like, right, we're just doing everything right. We're putting our best foot forward in every aspect. We have really good employees that really, like, they love the brand. They love the company. They, they love their teammates. Um, people bleed orange out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I mean, it's, you know, you got to find the right people, really. You know, we, we just kind of did the math the other day, and um, somehow we have more than 17 employees that have more than three years in the trades. So that's like a really good group of guys and, and we continually are finding guys that are, you know, subcontractors that we used to have. Um, they they were subcontracting from us doing like different trades, like whether it was stonework or interior work or 
siding work or whatever. And they're like, you know, I, I can't even compete w- with you. I, I've heard your ads on the radio. Uh, I know you're recruiting like heck and you're offering benefits and you're, you're doing all of this stuff. I can't compete against you. They're like, what if I just stop doing, you know, subcontracting and I just become an employee and I'll take all my people with me. It's a wrestler and you just want to pin everybody down. I, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, it, they approach us. Right. right. So we don't we don't come to them and say, hey, you should probably stop subcontracting from us and just be employee of us. They come to us and they're like, can I can I actually come work for you and like, you know, be in your program like I'm on the outside wishing I was on the inside. So can you give me just an overview of like the org chart? Like let people know because they're probably trying to piece this together and they're trying to go, okay, he's got catch all crew. Like, like, what is that? What does that employee framework look like? Like you have, you have you and Chad, you have, you have, you know, for anybody who's from Oberg that's listening to this, nothing is in order of your importance. You're all equally loved, but like, give me an idea as like what the framework is as far as like who works there and then where do things go? So we have all the, we have several different departments and department heads in each one of the departments. So, um, uh, Chad is the chief sales officer. So he oversees the sales and everything. So like I try to stay out of as much as possible. I don't know. A ton about sales. I love marketing and I love the, the work and building a business more. So that's his baby. Um, and then beyond that, um, I oversee like their production manager, our finance manager and our marketing manager. And then um, in other departments, we have somebody that works with like our supplement team, um, kind of like on a standalone. And then we're starting to develop like a data um, analyst position. And then we also have um, below the production manager, we have two different um project coordinators one does roofing one deciding um in our finance department there's the finance manager and then we have billable and and, uh, payable um marketing it's marketing manager and like one intern right now hoping to get more and then what does it look like once it starts to get out to the field where do the where are these subs coming in to work for you they're doing this like site you 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 said that there are subs and they're coming to work in and I think there's somebody out in the field that I don't know. So well, yeah, typically when the when the subs like you know stop running a subcontracting business and become an employee of Oberg Roofing, typically they're already qualified to run their own crew, and so they um, uh, bring some of their guys and then we like help to develop their crews and hire some more guys um, to help them be you know, get them good good people, right? So, so you're so, like, doing some in-house crews. We have three in-house siding crews and one in-house remodeling crew absolutely yeah and so you you do have a, a system that manages both but and, and then you you have the qc guys yep. the catch-all crew um and i think that next stop is probably next season doing site supervisors so like you're creating these layers of accountability and production and responsibility in the company and there's so much opportunity here it's absolutely crazy so for anybody out there who's maybe you know been in your been in your position, right? What are some pieces of advice that you have for the guys out there who are looking at the recession? They're looking at uncertainty. They're looking at changes in the market. They're looking at big companies buying other companies and all this kind of stuff. What is your advice? Because you're looking down the, you're staring down those those same lanes that they are. And and what is it the advice that you have for the people who are getting out there and getting started or who have got you know two million dollar business and they want to grow? I mean, you gotta. <clears throat> You got to know what you're good at. And if you're not good at something, can you learn how to do it? Uh, or can you pay somebody to do it for you? Um, what are the costs? How does it benefit you? Um, you know, trying to find a way to like level out the peaks and valleys is really important to, to me, right? I don't really like time off. I'm not the kind of person that goes on vacation for a month every winter. Um, 
really you just gotta try and figure out a lot of those basic things like who do i need how how am i going to do it how does this benefit me how does it benefit the customer um how, how am i actually going to build an actual business that's sustainable and potentially a business that i can sell right so um i i didn't even hear a lot about exit anything until recently and so um, now it's kind of like a little bit getting to be a little bit of a trend. buzz, right? Yeah. It's like a I mean, thing. I'm sure any roofing contractors out there probably got like 20 emails in their inbox or their spam, or they got phone calls coming in all the time about somebody coming to try and like buy your business or become a partner or something like that. So, um, it, I mean, it's made me think about it. Um, I don't want to sell if anybody's listening to this, I'm not selling my business. So go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like just try and figure out a way to like get over the peaks and valleys. Uh, keep keep the income coming in um you know market market to the to your customers and the, and the things that their wants and needs are um employees are the way to go build strong employee uh, communities and teams to help to just kind of keep it going right like to keep building to keep stacking i mean to to have 45 employees now kind of blows me away so that's why we're like doing a whole bunch more with like all of the employee stuff and all of those yeah, new things that we're doing. Well, I definitely think the industry needs to pay attention to to what you're doing and to to see the, the kind of things that you're doing because, I mean, you bring oh, that such a wealth of experience to it, and I, I don't have a ton of clients who, um, who I can who, who have gone and done the whole thing. Like they've been the roofer, they've been the sub, they've been the production manager, they've had to do the bookkeeping, the accounting, the marketing, the sales, the insurance, the exactement. You know, the spreadsheet that we built two years ago was nuts. Yeah. Right? Like you did the videos on the roof. Like we you were the first one doing the Facebook ad videos and we brought out your team and trained on the video. And like you got involved in the marketing stuff and like you and I devolved or developed like campaigns together. Like the the guaranteed two weeks to get your roof done campaign was like you took a what some would perceive as a weakness, not having been, you know, because you guys, oh, we're so busy, we're booked out three months, and you took that and turned it into a marketing campaign and just kept jamming yourself full. Like, um, and it's just, you've run the gamut of everything. And now I I know we can't talk about some of the stuff that you got coming, but um, I really think that some people will, you know, if there's any doubters or haters, because there always are on the internet, you're going to see some of these cool things that are going to come to fruition here in the next 12 months. Um, and I'm excited for people to see that. I'm excited to continue to be in business with you. I appreciate everything you've done for me, my business, my family, my ability to you know kind of get out there and grow and, and to support my company as we have evolved and changed and found ways to continue to serve you. So I really appreciate that. If people want to follow you, connect with you, hear more about you, where should they go? Like, should they go Facebook? Are you a, an Instagram guy? Should they email you? What do you, what do you think would be the best way for someone to kind of connect with Caleb? Yeah, I'm definitely on Facebook. Please. Facebook's super easy for me. I don't, I'm not huge on all the socials. I can't keep up with them, but yeah. uh, I know you're active in level the playing field. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, hopefully all winter long in a group that I've been, you've been bugging me to start. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find me in level the playing field. I'm always poking the bear in there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, Hey, Caleb, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm really excited to get this episode out. We're using brand new fancy equipment. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely excited to get everybody out there to hear this. Okay. Hey man, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Anybody has any questions? I mean, hit me up on Facebook. I'll be happy to help them out. Right on. Perfect.